What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and it is match day. It is match day. Arsenal, whoops, take on Newcastle United at Emirates Stadium uh, tonight in what is a huge, huge clash right at the top of the Premier League. The Gunners with the opportunity to go 10 points clear of Manchester City, who many, despite Newcastle's uh, very exciting start to the season, uh, many feel are, you know, Arsenal's biggest contenders and and the team that you kind of need to finish above if you want to win the Premier League. Manchester City have been formidable for years and you can understand why, given Arsenal have a seven-point lead over them going into this round of fixtures, given that Arsenal could make that 10 today and really pile the pressure onto City, who go to Chelsea later on in the week. You can understand why people are getting excited about what this young Gunners side might be able to achieve. Big hello to every single one of you in the live chat. Hope you're all well. Uh, A lot of people have gone back to work today. A lot of people getting back into that normal routine. 2023 is here. Hope you all had a wonderful Christmas and a great New Year's period. But now it is very much back to normality. And it all begins tonight, as I say, at Emirates Stadium. Now, I've built up the game quite a bit. We did preview the game yesterday uh, in detail, which you can find if you're on YouTube. uh, You can find it by looking for the previous video. Or if you're an audio listener, you can, of course, find it wherever you get your podcasts by going to the previous episode. Uh, That way, you'll be able uh, to check everything out and uh, and get my take on the game because we're not really going to talk about that now. We're going to talk about the latest uh, when it comes to transfers. We're going to talk about uh, the latest around Mikhailo Mudrik, the player that the Gunners are very, very keen to bring in between now and the end of this transfer window, which is very much open now. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about Joao Felix. We'll be bringing you the latest on that. We'll be talking uh, Cedric Suarez, who, of course, is being linked with a move away. What's the latest there? Why hasn't that deal materialised yet? Because it was said uh, just a little while ago that um, that uh, Cedric Suarez would be on his way to Fulham. So we'll get into all of that. And uh, yeah, let's... Um, Let's do that in just a sec. But first, let's say some hellos because there's loads and loads of you with us. Can't believe how many are watching already. We've only just started. Uh, big hello to Matt, to Wandering Mitchell, to Harvey, to Steve, to Sko, to Paul, uh, to Nav, to uh, Richard is with us as well, to Delisu, uh, Amira is here, Trevor, uh, John Torre, Fjeldstad joins us from Norway. Hope you're well, mate. Uh, Trev joins us. Uh, Bogdan is with us as well. Uh, Granddaddy Guna, Daniel, Matt Parrott, Jin Davidson, uh, Abby is with us, uh, Abdi, uh, Man City Videos uh, as well, SMA Consult, and of course, Jid. Uh, I hope you guys are all good. Uh, just a quick one before we dive into it. Uh, Daniel says, uh, may I ask quickly why you're switching memberships from here to another slice? Uh, there is a, a channel update video, if you go back a little while, that you'll find where I explain it. But essentially, just very, very quickly, because I know we've been over this a few times, but I do get this question a lot. So I think it's probably worth just quickly um, sort of refreshing people's minds as to why that is. So 
first of all, we want to be able to bring you more premium content and we want to be able uh, to have some other functionality that I just can't get on YouTube at the moment. Also add to that, YouTube take a huge slice of the membership uh, revenue, a massive slice to the point where your money is not supporting the podcast. The majority of it ends up supporting YouTube. Uh, obviously, there is a kickback to the podcast, but not as much as there is at another slice. And also with the features that are available on another slice now, I can bring you more of what I actually want to bring you. Uh, we've been doing post-match player ratings after the last couple of games. We'll be doing that again tonight from Emirates Stadium. So you'll get access to that within about 45 minutes of the full-time whistle. So um, that's the bit of content that you can uh, you can chew through whilst uh, you wait for the full podcast, looking back on the game, which will be with you guys uh, bright and early tomorrow morning. So uh, yeah, check it out. Okay, um, let's talk Mikhailo Mudrik. What is the latest with Mikhailo Mudrik? Where are we with this transfer saga? It is turning into a little bit of a saga, isn't it? Because we've been hearing about this interest for a while. Uh, nothing is done yet. Nothing is agreed just yet. Um, but where are we today? Well, we heard yesterday that a second bid had gone in for Mikhailo Mudrik. We also heard that actually the point of you know of difference, I guess, between the two clubs was around about how much of the fee was going to be paid up front. Shakhtar Donetsk want the money. They need the money. You know, we've talked at length about their situation, their position, and why it is so important to them to get a significant chunk of the Mikhailo Mudrik transfer fee up front. Arsenal are very, very confident that this is not going to cost 100 million euros, as is being reported. I've said that to you guys throughout. I've said that I think we'll get him for less. When Shakhtar then again reiterated that stance of we want 100 million and nothing less, people were giving me grief last week saying, you said that this was going to get done uh, for less than 100 million. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, having thought about it and having looked at it and, and sort of followed the situation very, very closely, I still do believe that Arsenal will get this deal done for nowhere near 100 million euros. Now, Ben Jacobs told us yesterday that that second offer had gone in. That was then confirmed and followed up by some very high profile and very good uh, journalists who cover the club. And he told us that the second bid, though, in total is still under the 70 million euro mark. However, we're hearing today that the upfront fee has been significantly raised and that could be what gets this deal done. Now, Arsenal's second bid has not been rejected by Shakhtar Donetsk of yet. We don't know the ins and outs of it. We don't really know what the total amount on the table is. And I'd be lying to you if I said I did. But I have read reports suggesting that Arsenal are willing to pay as much as 52 million euros up front to Shakhtar Donetsk to get this deal done and to get it done quickly. Now, some reports that were coming out of Ukraine uh, recently suggested that they wanted at least 55 million euros up front. So Arsenal very, very close to that now. And it feels like this is moving in the right direction. It feels as though we're edging closer towards an agreement between these two clubs. Mudrik has made it very clear, abundantly clear, in fact, that he wants this move, that he wants to come to Arsenal. Lots of people are very, very excited about this player. There's been some fantastic content made around Mikhailo Mudrik on uh, the Guna Talk TV. You can check it out. Tom Canton doing a wonderful job. You can check it out on uh, FK's channel, The Latte Firm, a wonderful video on there as well. Check it all out. And I'm sure it will only raise your excitement levels around Mikhailo Mudrik. But as I say, deal not completely agreed yet. 
the current offer is under the consideration of Shakhtar Donetsk at the moment. They've yet to respond to Arsenal as far as we know, but it is now with the president of the club who will ultimately make the final decision, who will ultimately make the final call. Not done yet, not agreed yet. Uh, you know, there's no guarantee that they're going to accept this particular offer. But the fact that they've not knocked it back immediately, the fact that this is under consideration, gives me confidence that at the very least, Arsenal are closer uh, to getting this done. And at the very least, Arsenal are closer to making this happen uh, between now and the end of the January window uh, closing. Look, I think, I think Arsenal want this done, you know, very, very quickly and very, very swiftly. And I think Ewan backs up that point in the chat. He says, with Reese being out, Emil Smith-Rowe only coming back and Saka on four bookings with a few massive games ahead, I'd say that they want this done ASAP. I completely agree. I completely agree. I think our current situation, as great as it is, you know, when we look at where we are in the league, you look at how we're performing, you look at, you know, the fact that we have an opportunity potentially to open up a 10-point lead over Manchester City this evening, it's all built on a very, very, very uh, sort of wobbly foundation because, as you say, you know, Emil Smith-Rowe is still not back. I thought and hoped that maybe Oxford United away in the FA Cup next Monday would be the game in which he made his return. But I've read some reports from uh, various people this morning. Kaya Kainak reported that he'll return to full training very soon, which suggests he hasn't already which means, in my opinion, it's very unlikely that he'll be available for the Oxford game. So Emil Smith-Rowe still has a way to go. Reese Nelson is is not anywhere near back at this moment in time. The Saka booking thing is a concern and is a worry. You know, we don't want to lose him ahead of the North London derby because any suspension he picks up would be a league suspension, not uh, like it used to be in the past where, you know, you could then serve that suspension in an FA Cup game where the player was probably not going to play anyway. So, yeah. Um, bit of a shit situation around him. And obviously that same thing applies to William Saliba, who is also one booking away from missing out. But yeah, that's the latest. Uh, some reports are suggesting that Arsenal have uh, raised that amount in terms of the upfront figure to around about 52 million euros, which is a lot closer to the 55 million euros uh, that, of course, um, that, of course, uh, Shakhtar are said to want. But that is, again, just reports, just speculation. I can't 100% confirm that. The offer is under the consideration of the Ukrainian club. And hopefully we uh, we get a response really quickly, really swiftly. And Arsenal can make this happen. Uh, the idea and the hope is that they can get it done before Shakhtar are due to travel for their mid-season training camp to Turkey, uh, which is in the next few days. So Arsenal do want to make this happen. Personal terms are done. Uh, they are agreed, according to uh, to most people reporting on this. So, and, and given how much he's flirting with the club, and given how sort of vocal he's been about his desire to join uh, the club, I can't really see that being an issue, even if there were still uh, a few bits and pieces to iron out uh, in that sense. But yeah, we are where we are. So that's the latest on Mikhailo Mudrik. I just want to bring you up to speed with a couple of other bits. This won't be a very long episode today. We'll do some questions towards the back end, so hold fire on those. But it is a match day, and so we are focused solely on the transfer stuff. The pre-match uh, preview show has been done already, which you can check out, as I mentioned. Uh, some of you will have seen uh, a report talking about uh, Jude Bellingham and his chances of joining Arsenal, a piece uh, done in The Athletic, in which that people have kind of taken the line and, and really run with it and tried to make a bigger thing out of it than it actually is. But 
what it actually says is that Jude Bellingham is someone that's admired by Arsenal. Look, I don't think there's a football club in the world that has a decent recruitment strategy that isn't an admirer of Jude Bellingham right now. He's been so, so good, so, so impressive. Um, but it does go on to kind of say that this is a, an unlikely deal, that Arsenal would be starting if they were to enter negotiations from a standing position, whereas everybody else that is in the running for him has already tried to get the, the wheels turning and the wheels in motion for this. Borussia Dortmund value him at in excess of £120 million, which you know has its own challenges. But then on top of that, given that there are so many interested, you'd imagine you'd have to make one hell of an offer in terms of his salary to get him in as well. What I would say, though, and, you know, look, I don't think this is happening. I don't think this is even remotely likely. Let me just be clear on that from now. But I have seen some Liverpool fans sort of laugh off the idea of Jude Bellingham coming to Arsenal as if, you know, it's not just about finances and it's about the status of the football club and it's about where the football club finds itself. I'll tell you this. Uh, for free Liverpool fans, you've had a, a, an amazing last few years in terms of your performance level, but you, you've you won one Premier League title. You're probably not going to win one for a little while now. Why? Because the Jurgen Klopp cycle or the, the cycle of that team, let's be fair, let's not pin it all on Jurgen Klopp. The cycle of that team is over. It's done. They're going through a transition. They were absolutely piped by Brentford last night who deserved their victory. Liverpool are not the force they were. And Liverpool... You know, they're not even maintaining their level. They're on the decline. And if I were Jude Bellingham, why would I want to join Liverpool right now? I think I'd rather join any number of other clubs that are either on their way up or or are at that point already. Liverpool would not be at the top of my list if I was Jude Bellingham, regardless of the rumours that his dad supports them and all of this stuff. You know, that's to me, that's not as significant as people make it out to be. But the point I'm trying to make is that from purely a footballing perspective, Arsenal right now are just as much of an attractive proposition as Liverpool. You know, and, and the other thing with Liverpool is we, we're constantly hearing a Jurgen Klopp say, you know, we're not playing Monopoly. We can't do this. We can't do that. You know, we can't make this transfer. You've just gone and bought Cody Gakpo. You went and spent an absolute shit ton of money on Darwin Nunez after you'd already bought Luis Diaz in and after you'd not so long ago bought in uh, Jota is forwards as well. You know, Liverpool do spend money. They seem to play this card. No, uh, let me let me be clear. They don't. Jurgen Klopp plays this card of, you know, we can't compete. We can't compete. You absolutely can compete. You've been doing it. You've been spending just as much as most of the clubs in the Premier League. And in some instances, you've spent it badly in recent times. And that's partly why you are where you are. You know, there's been a lot of flop signings at, at that football club players that they've bought in for a shit ton of money that can't stay fit for love nor money. There's been a lot of signings that have gone wrong for Liverpool. So I just don't want to keep hearing, you know, the, the, the whole poverty card around, you know, we're a club that works within our own means and, you know, everybody else can outspend us and we can't play Monopoly and we can't possibly sign these players because of X, Y, Z, when actually you've been going out and doing exactly that. So, I digress a little bit there, but I just wanted to get that out there because it's driving me nonsense. Uh, it's, it's driving me mad because it's nonsense, I should say. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Um, so that's the latest on Mudrick. Uh, the Bellingham stuff, it isn't a link to Arsenal. It is just simply uh, part of a, a wider piece in which it states that, yeah, Arsenal liked the guy, but it would be really difficult to get that done because of the money. 
um, involved and because of the fact that Arsenal aren't really in the race as it stands. They'd have a lot of catching up to do in terms of trying to woo the player, his representatives, and, and trying to make that happen. Um, in other news, uh, we mentioned earlier on uh, that Emil Smith-Rowe's uh, return is, is not quite upon us just yet. Just wanted to reiterate that point. Um, Kaya Kainat reported earlier today that he, you know, he's not going to be involved tonight and sort of suggested that this might take a little bit longer than maybe we think and that even Oxford would be a stretch for him. Uh, just quickly on Joao Felix, Manchester United still pushing for that. Uh, Manchester United still in the hunt for Joao Felix. Arsenal still interested, but not at the prices that Atletico Madrid have been quoting them. And we touched on that yesterday in detail. I told you guys uh, exactly what Atletico were said to be after. 15 million uh, euros in terms of a loan fee, along with 6 million euros-ish in terms of uh, the money to cover his wages. Arsenal not prepared to pay that. Arsenal not interested in stretching that far to bring in a player on loan for such a short period of time that would be open to this and would consider this if the amount would considerably drop. And I think what Atletico are going to find is that over the course of this window, as it etches on, they're going to get themselves into a position where actually they have to lower those demands. And the question is, how much will they lower those demands? Have they set them deliberately high, knowing that they're going to be knocked down uh, as the window goes on? I don't know. But Arsenal are in there, but are not prepared to do a deal at the price that Atletico Madrid uh, are quoting people at this moment in time. Uh, let's quickly talk Cedric Suarez, uh, because, of course, uh, Cedric Suarez has been heavily linked with a move away from the football club. It was said that Fulham are very, very much interested in bringing the Portuguese fullback to West London, but that has not materialised yet. It's not happened yet. When many said it was a done deal, so why has it not happened? Well, it's understood that Cedric Suarez's wage demands, which would see him uh, collect around about £65,000 a week, are just way beyond what Fulham are willing to pay. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. And that could be a stumbling point. Now, does Cedric Suarez value the money or does he value the opportunity to play week in, week out? Because I think at Fulham, he'd be uh, you know, a regular. He'd get a lot more game time than he gets here at Arsenal. And listen, Fulham's a great place to be. It's not the biggest football club in the world, but it's London-based. And I think for a lot of players, that is a massive appeal. It's not me sitting here being elitist and saying London is better than everywhere else in the UK. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, what it means for someone like Cedric is he doesn't have to uproot his family and he doesn't have to start from scratch. You know, he is in the London area already and that will make the transition easier. They're doing really well in the Premier League. They've had a cracking season. A lot of people had them as favourites to go down. I don't think they will go down. I think they've been uh, a, a real breath of fresh air under Marco Silva, who's done a fantastic job. So, yeah, um, you know, let's see how that goes. But at the moment, it's the wages that are the problem. Arsenal are open to allowing him to go. Arsenal are open uh, to uh, facilitating that particular deal. But the uh, the wage situation is the problem at this moment in time. 
Okay, um, that's pretty much it in terms of the news, the updates that I wanted to bring you guys around Arsenal in the transfer market and what Arsenal are hoping and looking to do between now and the closure of this January window. But what I do want to do is spend about 10 minutes or so taking your questions from the live chat box. So please do start flooding the chat box now with all your questions. Uh, there's over 500 of you with me right now live as we speak. Uh, on the various platforms, but we've only got 96 YouTube likes on the board. What's that about? Let's get that up uh, to at least a couple of hundred. Come on, it's light work. It doesn't cost you a thing. It really does help uh, with the algorithm and all of that stuff. So yeah, do get involved. In addition to that, just a quick reminder that if you do want access to our post-match player ratings podcast, which will be available around about 45 minutes to an hour after the full-time whistle from Emirates Stadium tonight, uh, then you need to sign up to the Chronicles of Aguna Premium over on the Another Slice platform. You'll be able to get post-match ratings after every game over there. Um, you know, I know a lot of you are YouTube members. I mentioned at the top of the program that we are making that switch over. Uh, so as and when you're good and ready, uh, please do do that because we will eventually turn the YouTube one off. Um, YouTube, you don't get access to the post-match player ratings. Uh, and the reason for that is because it's the only way that I can get people to move over <laughs> is by uh, cutting off the supply, essentially, which I, you know, I know it sounds horrible, but um, I really do need people to, to move over uh, to that platform. I promise you, you'll like it. I promise you, you'll get um, a lot more bang for your buck over on the Another Slice platform. And, and I mentioned uh, some of the reasons why at the top of this show, but yeah, check it out. Okay, right. Let's um let's take some of those questions. Lots of good ones coming through, which is what I love. Uh, Creambone says, "Do you think the team feels pressure outside of the normal game pressure because no one thought we'd be challenging for the title, and Manchester City are the ones under pressure?" I think the the more we perform and the more we continue to tick along the way we are, and, and the more we pick up points the more the pressure around us increases. And that's only natural, right? The better you are, the higher the level of expectation. And sometimes when the level of expectation gets too high, that can be more of a hindrance than a help. So I do have to, you know, say that I am a little bit concerned right now. I think, look, for example, had Manchester City been closer to us, you know, so it, look, let me start again. This is a tough one. If Arsenal were sitting top of the league with the points return that they have today and Manchester City were two, three, four points behind us, then the pressure level is much lower because people are saying, well, look, you know, there's, it's not a very big gap. It's a gap that can easily be turned around. But obviously, you've got that fear as a team and as fans of Manchester City catching you. And obviously, it's easier for them to catch you from that position. The greater the lead, which is obviously a positive the greater the pressure on you to maintain that lead. And I still don't think that this Arsenal team are flawless. I still don't think that this Arsenal team can cope with three or four injuries. And we've seen, you know, recent history tells us that when those injuries do come along, we struggle. And recent history also tells us that injuries coming along, it's inevitable this day and age. There's too many games. You know, they're played in quick succession. The demands of Mikel Arteta and... and you know, his staff are very, very high in terms of what you need to bring to the table physically. Mikel Arteta is trying to manage that as best as he can. I think he took a gamble a little bit towards the end at Brighton when he said, yep, I'm going to make these changes. But he did it for good reason. 
And, you know, yes, it wasn't the ideal way to end the game, but it didn't blow up in our faces because we left the Amex with with three points, which is ultimately what you're there to get. So, yeah, look, the longer this goes on, the greater the pressure on Arsenal. But I think Mikel Arteta is working very hard to not allow people's minds to to get carried away and not allow people to get carried away to the point where, you know, their heads are up in the clouds. I, I really do think that, you know, and his public stance, you know, he keeps talking about... um you know, we got to be realistic and all of that jazz and and all of that, you know, great. But, you know, he'd be lying if he said that they weren't probably starting to believe, you know, I think they probably are starting to believe just a little bit and a little bit of be- belief is healthy. Pressure is not. So I think that, well, pressure can be, but pressure sometimes can be a hindrance as well. So I think that for me, that, that having a little bit of belief is a good thing and having confidence in your own ability, but it's about managing and balancing those levels. And I think the manager uh, will do that. I think he's a much better manager than he was even 12 months ago. I think he's constantly improving and constantly developing as well. Uh, let's take this one from Savreen, who says, Harry, uh, what role would Emil Smith-Rogue play when he comes back? I mean, I look at him now as, as probably a left winger in Mikel Arteta's system. I think at the start of last season, obviously after the the poor start you know he um he uh really became a really integral part of the team and played very very well from that left hand side drifting inside scoring goals etc etc and and probably would still be in that role and probably would still be delivering had he not sustained the injuries that he did now obviously that's worked out well for Gabriel Martinelli it's worked out well for Arsenal because look at Martinelli now but yeah, I think that's where he comes in. I think he comes in as a as a, a wide man. I don't quite think he's built to play an eight role. And we obviously don't play with an out-and-out out 10. I know people refer to Martin Odegaard as being that, but he's not. Uh, he does tuck in. He does defend. He, he he does sort of take up that position when we're attacking. But when we're without the ball, he does a lot of defensive work and a lot of uh, pressing and counter-pressing and all of that. And that is why... You know, he's so well suited to the role. I don't know that you're going to get that to the same level out of Emil Smith-Rowe. Um, that's my um, that's my opinion. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, Jay says, are you worried about spending so much on a player that it's mostly counter-attack? Sorry, I mean, are you worried about spending so much on a player that is mostly a counter-attack player? The same thing happened with Pepe. No, I'm not because, you know, the, the people that sign Nicolas Pepe, and listen, I don't always want to be super negative about Nicolas Pepe because I don't think he was ever as bad as people made him out to be. Was he 72 million good? No, he wasn't. Uh, that's clear. But Arsenal recently, with the big deals that they've done, have been spot on. And you'll never be spot on with every single transfer. You'll never, you know, be spot on with every single signing. That, that's impossible. But... You know, you can have confidence that your team, the people behind the scenes making the calls, identifying these players, um, you know, are doing a good job. And you can be trusting of them when it comes to a deal like this one around Mikhailo Mudrik. Look, if he comes in and he does a good job, then again, it's going to be another masterstroke. But you have to, as an individual, be realistic about your expectations of Mikhailo Mudrik. I think he's a great addition. I think he will add something to the squad. Do I expect him to come in and take the entire team on his shoulders and fire us almost single-handedly to the Premier League title? Absolutely not. 
I'm well aware that it might take a bit of time and we probably wouldn't see the best of Mikhailo Mudrik, even if we signed him in January until next season. That is the reality of the situation. I think as long as people are realistic about that and give people and players a chance, then we'll be fine. Um, is he mostly a counter-attack player? I guess that's what people have seen in the Champions League for Shakhtar because when they play against bigger opposition, shall we say, they're not going to be on the front foot throughout. But domestically, they're not a counter-attack inside. Um, and, I, and I think that, yeah, I think he'll be a good fit. Look, I'm at the point where if Arsenal think he's a good fit, I think he's a good fit. And I trust in their uh, opinion on the player. Do I have my own? Yeah, I do. But it isn't that he's just a counter-attacking player. So I'm interested that that you think that. Um, but yeah, um, you might have seen more of him than I have. I don't know. I don't know. Um, what else have we got? Uh, let's take this one from Jid. Uh, we'll take a few more before we wrap up. He says, uh, if Eddie somehow manages to score eight to ten goals by the time Jesus comes back, would you have taken him straight out of the squad or would you rather Mikel try to incorporate him more? Look, I think there are so many games. I think there are so many games in which you need to call on your bench. Football is becoming more and more that way with every passing week and every passing month. The the need for a squad is huge. Um, the need for reinforcements from the bench, the need for players that you can call upon to potentially change things is massive. And Eddie Nketiah, look, Arsenal trust him. Arsenal love him. Mikel Arteta loves him. He worked so hard behind the scenes to convince him that he had a future here. Um, you know, gave him that that bumper contract, which a lot of people talk about in terms of its monetary value. I would say this. If you sign Eddie Nketiah on a five-year deal for a hundred million. 100 million, 100 grand a week. How much is that? Uh, one second. Let me get my calculator out. This is going to be a really shit calculation um, live on air, but I, I just kind of want to demonstrate this point. So what is there, 52 weeks in the year, I think? So 52 times 100,000. Okay, you're talking about 5.2 million a year. Okay, so even if it's only for the next three years, that you're really looking at, you know, you give them the long-term deal to protect their value. But if you're looking at, let's, let's look at the next three years, right? 5.2 million. Remember we didn't pay a transfer fee because the guy was going to be a free agent. 5.2 million times that by three, you're talking about 15 million, 600,000. So 15.6 million. Could Arsenal have gone out there in the summer and bought a better striker than Eddie Nketiah for for 15.6 million pounds the answer is probably no i said this at the time when people went mad about you know this deal and, and how it was crazy and it was way too much money i said at the time can arsenal go out and get a striker that is better than eddie inketia for 15 million pounds and the answer is probably no you also think about how Mikel arteta knows him how he knows the system he knows what he wants to play there is very minimal risk in that in comparison to going out and bringing in an unknown for those reasons that I've just mentioned. Arsenal would have looked at him and gone, this guy can do the job. He is as good an option as anything else we can sign in that type of uh, budget. So, you know, let's 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 do it and, and take that chance. And, and it's worked quite well so far. You know, I think Eddie Nketiah is much better than people give him credit for. He's different to Jesus, but he's still excellent. He is fantastic. And you've got, also got to remember that the £100,000 a week thing, it's it's not, um, you know, it's not guaranteed, is it? There are bonuses in that as well. 
etc etc um uh what else and and severine says no way would it be 15 million because whoever you sign uh you'd have to pay them as well yeah exactly so um you know that, that's absolutely right now there, some of you saying like 25 30 million total value that's including his wages though isn't it like over the entire contract and that's if we keep him for the entire contract if eddie plays really well and eddie uh you know catches the attention of others which he's already starting to do by the way and two, three years down the line, turns around and say, and says, guys, look, you know, it's not, it's not really happening for me here. You know, I want to play more. Then Arsenal can turn around and say, no problem, mate. We'll stick you on the transfer market and we want 25, 30 million for you. And we could potentially earn all of that money back and more whilst making use of him. Whereas we were in a situation in the summer or going into the summer that where he was going to walk away for free. So it's a much smarter investment than people ever gave the club credit for. And um, and I can't wait to see how it goes over the next few years. Okay, uh, let's take it on a little bit. We'll take uh, just one or two more. Um, let's take one or two more. Um, let me see what I've got. One second. Do, 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 do. Uh, Trev says... As we're clearly in a title race, are we severely underestimating the winning mentality of Mikel Arteta? Remember, he won titles under Pep and has seen how it's done. I think his mentality is elite. I really, really do. I think it's fantastic. And I think what he's now got is a group of players with an elite mentality and a few sprinkled in there that have been there and done it. And I think that can make the world of difference. But yeah, I, I'm, I've got no questions about Arteta's mentality. My, my questions about Arteta in the past were tactically is he quite up to it? And I think, again, he's improved. I think that we've seen that his ideas are much stronger uh, than we initially thought, uh, but we just didn't have the personnel at the time when he first came in to be able to carry those out. I think what we can see now is that what we used to see from Mikel Arteta was not what he wanted to do, but was what he felt was the best thing to do in the interim and what he felt was the best thing to do, um, you know, uh, during that period of time to to get results. Because obviously at a club like Arsenal, you need to get results first and foremost. Uh, Jude says, I didn't even answer the question, which is, yeah, typical me. Uh, gone around the houses um, and, uh, and not actually answered what you asked me. The question was, what would you do? Um, would I take him straight back out, essentially, when Jesus comes back, if he continues in this vein? And the answer is yeah, because I still think that Jesus is a better all-round centre-forward than him. I still think that he brings more to the team. Um, but, you know, everybody's got a role to play. If Arsenal are going to achieve what we're hoping they can achieve this season, everybody has a role to play. And this is not just about, you, you know, you, you're not going to succeed with one striker. You need more than one. You know, we're in the Europa League as well, which will be right at the top of our priority list too, just below the Premier League if things continue the way they are because we want to get back in the into the Champions League. But Mikel Arteta will be desperate to bring a European trophy to Emirates Stadium as well. He wants to bolster his own personal CV, as well as bringing good fortune to the club. You've got to remember that as well. But great question. Thank you so much. I hope I answered it eventually. Okay, guys, uh, please do uh, up the likes because there are 700 of you with me live right now. Only 200 likes on the board. Come on, let's get that up to 300. Um, ASAP. I am going to dash because 
I'm a little bit pushed for time. I will be down at the Emirates Stadium later. And remember, I'll be bringing you post-match player ratings uh, for our premium members on the Another Slice platform. Information on how to sign up is in the description below. Any questions, feel free to email me. Chroniclesafc at gmail.com is the email address and we will be back uh, tomorrow morning with a full length podcast. Do you know what? We might do it really late tonight, just depending on what time I get back because um, I've got to look at how my diary is in the morning. Uh, but anyway, we'll sort it out. We'll sort it out then. I'll catch you all later. Take care. Stay tuned uh, to the channel for updates and I'll see you all soon. And hopefully we'll be talking about another Arsenal victory under the lights at Emirates Stadium against Newcastle United. All the best. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.